Thank you all again for having me and my family tonight. While JJ may be saying differently, it is our pleasure to be here. <laughs> and he enjoys being here as well. Yes, yes, she very much so is already. Will you open the word of God this evening to the epistle to Titus? Titus chapter 2 and verse 14 is where we will find our text this evening. Who, speaking of the Lord Jesus, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The title of this message is Our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus is our Redeemer. He is the one who has redeemed us. He has redeemed his people throughout all ages. The one who we sang about, the one who all of the scriptures pointed towards and still point towards is who we will be discussing tonight. And he is a wonderful Savior, a wonderful Redeemer. He came into the world to accomplish the mission that the Father gave him to save those sheep who had gone astray, who had, who had been turned, we've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him, the Lord Jesus, the iniquity of us all. His role as our Redeemer is one of utmost importance. Let us examine what it is that he has redeemed us from. Now the term redeem is not a, is not a, a, a term that we use very often. But Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary defines redeem in the English language as to purchase back or to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage. That is exactly where we were. That is exactly where we were. But no, we were under captivity and we were in bondage. But notice one thing it, it also means. It means to purchase back. It means you were somewhere else before. Amen. You were somewhere else before you were in that bondage. And Christ purchased you back from that state of bondage. I would like to examine how it is we got there and what it was, what it was like for us, for, not for us necessarily, but for our first parents, our first earthly parents, before that state of bondage came about. Will you turn to the first chapter of Genesis? where we begin our examination of, of this bondage that the Lord Christ has redeemed us from. To purchase back, you, you do remember Ephesians, that we were chosen in him from before the foundation of the world. Never forget that. Never forget who it, who it is the Lord Christ is and what he has done. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. See, see what God gave to man. First, that he created man, and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So man was created in God's image. In God's image, he created him and her. They, Adam and Eve were both created in the image of God and given dominion over all of the earth. That was, that was what our parents were to do, were to, were to have dominion over all things. 
We come down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Not just good, but it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So things were going very well. Things were going very good for our first parents. They had not yet fallen. They had not yet fallen into a state of sin. 2 and two in, uh, two in verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. We have shame now. We have shame for that. That isn't something that we, we practice. But they, they didn't have to. They didn't have to have shame because they were sinless. They didn't know that that was uh, the feelings that we have. They didn't have the same thing. That, they didn't have the same state, the same conscience that we have now. But when they ate of that tree, they realized what they were, and they covered themselves. But they, at this point, were, had, not yet, had not yet done that. Come to chapter 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. They covered themselves. They, they instantly, something changed. Man fell into sin. Man fell out of his perfect obedience unto the Lord God. Everything changed at that point. Verse 9, we'll, we'll get a, a, an understanding of what happens, what happens as soon as that happens. Verse 9, and the Lord God called unto Adam, and Adam said unto him, well, first off, in verse 8, notice that they hid. The Lord God was walking in the garden, and they hid themselves. Verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam's, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Completely different than what it was just minutes prior. They were, they were scared. They were terrified of the Lord God. They knew what they had done. And that is man in his natural state. He will hide from God. It is never, it is never uh, the fact that God hide, hides himself from man. It is that man hides himself from God, does not want God. He suppresses, he holds the, that truth, suppresses it in unrighteousness. That is what man has done since this point. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where are you? He finds him. When he finds him, this is Adam's response. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam was still hiding. The Lord God came and found him just as the Lord God comes to find us. Verse 10, verse 11, And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the fruit, or gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And exactly right there, passing the buck. That's immediately when that started. That is exactly when that started. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is, that, that the, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Lies, deception, everything, every bad thing that we know came out of this act. Lies, deception, blame, everything. Pride came from this very act. 
everything that we as God's people hate, even things that we do, that we hate that we do, came from this very act and, and is all stemmed from there. Come to, come to Genesis chapter 6. We see how bad it has gotten. 6 and verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is man in his natural state. He loves those evil thoughts. He loves his imagination being upon evil continually. He doesn't think it's a bad thing. He thinks, oh, it's normal. Everybody else is this way, so why is it so bad? We've, some of you can remember, I can remember before the Lord pulled me out of that kind of thinking, what that was like. And it, 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 it is despicable. But that is, that, is the, that is the natural man. That is man. He does not change. It has not gotten any better. Come to chapter 9. It has not gotten any better since that day. And that word continually is also translated day, time, always, whole, full, and daily. All encompassing. That was all that man thinks about. Genesis chapter 9, this is the only reason that God has not destroyed the earth uh, through a flood. Again, in verse 11, And I will establish my covenant with you, Noah, neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there, there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Those who say climate change is going to melt the, uh, melt the polar ice caps and we're going to flood the world, everybody's going to die, God says it's not going to happen. But God also, it's not because we've gotten so good. It's not because we're so high and mighty and righteous, maybe self-righteous. We're worse. We've just degraded since then as a people, as, as, a, as an endemic race. 2 Peter 3.10, the, the reason God promises not to destroy it with a flood, because he's going to destroy it with fire. He's going to destroy it with fire uh, this, this, this next time. Job, we get, a, we get another accurate description of man in his natural state. Job chapter 15 and verse 14. Here, Job, the oldest, considered the oldest book in the Bible, considered to be written during the times of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Eliphaz here is correct. He's wrong in many, many instances, but here he is correct. Verse 14 of Job chapter 15. What is man? What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of woman that he should be righteous? He's asking a rhetorical question. It doesn't happen. Man that is born of woman in and of himself is not righteous. He cannot be clean. Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints, that is God. God puts no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. You know how I know God doesn't put trust in his saints? Because it is he who has to work in us, both to will and to do, of his good pleasure. He doesn't leave us of our own accord. Paul, Paul says, I find within me the, uh, the, desire, the desire to do, but the ability to perform is not with me. He wants to do good but he ends up doing the things that he doesn't want to do. And he doesn't do the things that he wants to do. You, Romans chapter 7, you get to Romans chapter 8, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we, that we can accomplish God's purposes. It's only through the power of the Holy Ghost that that is accomplished. Here in verse, verse 15, the heavens aren't cleaned in his sight. 
That's why we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth come some point in the future. How much more abominable and filthy is man, which drinketh iniquity like water. We understand that. If, if man drinks iniquity like water, we're what, 70% water? 70% iniquity. That's, that's, you can be 1% strychnine and still die. We're 70% iniquity there if you, take, if you take that literally. But what he's getting at there is man loves his iniquity. Man loves his sin and his natural state. And that is absolutely of a truth. We, we see that constantly in our day. Man has not changed. Man has been enslaved to sin. He's enslaved to sin from his birth. Come to Psalm 51. We get, we get David. The man after God's own heart describes himself in verse 5. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not talking about the act of conception. His parents were married. It was all within the covenant of marriage. He's talking about from the, fact, from the time he was conceived, he was a sinner. We all fell in Father Adam. When, when our first parents ate of that tree and disobeyed the Lord God, we all fell. By, by them, they plunged us all into sin. Come to Romans chapter 3, and we'll, we'll get to the very text that says that very thing. And I want to get ahead of myself. Continue to see the universal condemnation of the natural man. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Romans 1 and 2, proving Jew and Gentile are all under sin. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We get 10 through 18, all citations from the Old Testament that prove that point. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. And I know that we have lots of dear brothers who believe that that is not the case. But we're given that very line three times in the scriptures. My question to them is how many times does God have to say something before we will believe it? I know, I know, it's, I, I, I know it's hard. But when God has made, has made, uh, made it so clear that none seeketh after God, that there is nothing we do on our end before our eyes are opened. Amen. But he makes, it, he makes it so clear, so I'm, I apologize for em emphasizing, but that, that's, uh, it's very clear. None seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. No, not one. Not a single person does good in the eyes of God. Now, sure, he may be nice to his neighbor. That's not what he's talking about, though. He's talking about good in the eyes of God. You remember somebody called Christ good, uh, good master, and he said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. He's not denying to be the Lord God. He's saying, you just called me God. Right. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to call me God in front of all these people that deny that I am the Lord God? There's only one good, and that's God. There's none that doeth good in the eyes of God. There's none that come up to his standard. None, none of us are able to do that in and of ourselves. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Did you in your natural state, you ever speak 
like a, like a demon? I know I did. Throat is an open tomb. It is full of, 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 of deadness. Their tongues they have used to see. The poison of, their asps, the poison of asps is under their lips. They're, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, in the way of peace they have not known. That is a universal condemnation of the natural man, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't care about him. They don't care about what he says. They don't care about who the Lord Christ is until something changes, until their eyes have been opened. Verse 23 we get a conclusion, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is the natural man's state. Romans 5.12, when did that happen? Wherefore, as by one man, that is uh, uh, the Greek term anthropos, it is not one male, it is one mankind. You see in Genesis 5.1 that Adam and Eve's, ne Eve's name was Adam in the day she was created. By one mankind, man and woman, when they ate of the tree, by one mankind, death, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. At that point, all, every single person that would come from the loins of Adam, every single offspring that they would ever have, would die. Maybe not right then. Maybe not a year from then, but they would all be subject to physical death. That is why children in the womb perish. It isn't because they, ha they themselves have, have committed any particular sin. It is because the sin of Adam. They are conceived in sin. Not because they themselves did anything, but because of what Adam did. That is why children in the womb perish in, in case uh, in case you're ever asked that question it is because the act of our first parents now it is also the testimony of the scriptures that those children also go to be with the Lord but that is that is a, a different message for a different day but this is the state of the natural man death sin love of sin bondage to it doesn't want anything to to uh, doesn't want to get out of it until something changes until the Lord Jesus Christ comes into the picture come to John chapter 8 where the Lord Jesus describes his position his posi his his act of setting free John 8 and verse 33 they answered him we be Abraham's seed. Well, we'll get verse 31. Then, Jesus said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Lord Jesus is the truth. When you know the Lord Jesus, you know that you have been set free. He, he claimed to be the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He, he and, and nobody comes to the Father but by him. So this truth is a person. When you know, when you know the person that is the verily, verily, that is the amen, you are free. You have been set free from your bondage. They answered him, we'd be Abraham's seed. We'd be Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How blind were they? They were in bondage to the Romans at, the, at that very point. 
We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye, sh ye shall be made free? They, didn't, they also seem to have forgotten that their ancestors were in bondage in Egypt. That, that their ancestors were in bondage in Babylon for a time. That, that they have been in bondage many, many times. Judges over and over and over and over and over again. But they're blinded. We're not in bondage. We're not slaves to anything. To anybody. What do you mean we'll be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth. You know, remember we looked this morning briefly at the word poeo. This is, this is the same Greek term, the same term in Hebrews 7.27 that said Christ did this once, offering himself. He poeoed himself once. He, 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 he did the act of offering himself one time. So he here committeth, poeo, does one sin, is the servant of sin, even the child of God, even though he's been set free, as we'll get to in just a moment. Even though we've been set free, when we commit a sin... We are a slave to that sin. It is what we desired and we couldn't get away from it. If we could get away from it, then we would have not done it. If that is, that is the uh, understanding that Christ is getting at. But even those that are in bondage, in complete bondage to sin, he's getting, he's getting at they that commit sin over and over and over and over again, they are also in bondage to sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. In bond, the, the servant, the one who is in bondage to sin, he does not abide in the house forever. The ser a servant cannot set, a, a slave cannot set another slave free. But you know what? A free man can. A free man can come and purchase that servant. That's exactly what our Lord Jesus did. The Son abides in the house forever. He can set free. He was never in bondage to sin. He was never a slave of sin like we are. He was made sin for us, but that was, that, he didn't become in bondage to it. He went willingly to the cross and had our sin imputed unto him, given to his account and his righteousness imputed to our account. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Here he's talking about the bondage to slavery. He is the one who makes us free. He is the one who redeems us from that bondage to sin. He sets, it, sets us free from its power. Whereas before, that's all we wanted. Now we thirst for righteousness. We may not do everything perfectly, but there's a change. There's a change in desires. Something has changed within the child of God where they no longer desire to walk after the ways of the world. Sure, they go, we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's still, there, it takes time to learn these things. There is a change. But one thing I want us, uh, 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 there's other passages that I, wanna, that I want us to get to. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. I don't want to get ahead of myself because this isn't the first time that Jesus has redeemed anyone. Colossians 1.13. Who hath delivered us? From the power of darkness, we were under the power, under the enslavement of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Darkness had dominion over us, had the power over us. It was our master. It's what we wanted to do. Now, the Lord Christ 
He is the one who has dominion over us. He's the one who has power over us. He's the one who has purchased us. He is our master. And we seek, we don't want anything but to serve him. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Here we get a, a very apt description. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our conduct, or our way, our manner of life, our way of life in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature. We, were, we had the same nature. We were just like them. But we were the children of God chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We did not know it. We didn't act any different. We didn't, there, there wasn't, you couldn't, Spurgeon put it this way. If he could lift up somebody's shirt and see an E for elect on their stomach, he would preach to them only. God didn't do it that way. God didn't do it that way. He said, since there isn't, I'll preach to, I'll preach to whoever will come. I'll preach to whoever will come and listen. We behave the same, exactly like the world. There was no, you, you couldn't pick us out of a lineup. We, we would have been just like everybody else. We would have been, we were just like them. We were by nature, the same nature. We were just like the children of wrath. By nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, never forget these terms. But God, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Never forget where you once were, where Christ has redeemed you from, where Christ has pulled you out of the depths of darkness and, and brought you, purchased you uh, back from that darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. Romans chapter 6, I know we were just there. Well, I know we were just in the epistle to the Romans, but Romans chapter 6 is very uh, educational here. Chapter 6 and verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that, that is Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We're still capable of doing that from time to time. God will not allow us to live in that sin. Do you know that there were many, many children of God who behaved in a way that's described in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10? Because the very next verse, Paul says, so such were some of you. God will not allow his children to behave in that manner. For he will not allow them to die unrepentant. He will not allow them to, to perish in their sin. He will not allow us to serve sin with our lives. But... Uh, verse verse seven, for that he for he that is dead is freed from sin. We are free. Our old man is crucified with Christ. Now it takes some time for that man to die. We still sin. It is not our new man that sins. For whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Our new man can't sin, for he's born of God. It's our old man. It's sin that dwells in us, Romans chapter 7. You, you, you get there. Here, Romans 6, you have the declaration 
of what's been done. Think uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. Those slaves that were set free by that did not know that they had been set free. Word had to come. The word had to come that they had been made free. We as slaves, we didn't know we'd been set free from the bondage of sin. We had to be told. That's where the word of God comes in. That's where, that's where the, word of, the word concerning Christ comes and tells us what's been done on our behalf. Christ is the one who has, do, who has, who has uh, done all of these things. But I want us to note that it is also not anything new for him. This is, we are not the first people that he has ever redeemed out of bondage. We are not the first people he has ever set free from the slavery to sin. Come to, come to the gospel according to John chapter 1. I want us to, to note a, a text very quickly in verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So here at the time of the writing of John, no man had seen God. John chapter 6 and verse 46, Christ says, no man has seen God except he that is of God, speaking of himself. He had seen God. And also in 1 John 4 and verse 12, no man hath seen God at any time. But we have lots of appearances of the Lord God in the Old Testament. Revelation, we get to see the Lord God, we get to see the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his Father. John got to see them, and that is exactly what Christ promised on the Sermon on the Mount. He promised, blessed, or, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He's talking about his Father. Obviously, they've got God, in, uh, God manifested in the flesh right in front of them, 1 Timothy 3.16. The only mystery that hasn't been fully explained in the scriptures. We'll learn about that in eternity. They, they got to see, God, uh, John and those in Revelation got to see God. Christ was right in front of them. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about his, his Father, our Heavenly Father. Come back to Exodus. With that in mind, I want us to take a, take a new look at these passages in the Old Testament. Exodus 6 and verse 6, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will rid you out of their bondage, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Great and mighty works. His judgments, the, the plagues upon, it, upon Egypt that he would perform. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 8, very quickly, a, 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 another parallel text. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The Israelites were redeemed out of bondage. Out of Egypt, in, while they were in Egypt. Exodus 13 and verse 21. We see also the Lord saying, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of, of, a, of a cloud to lead them the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of uh, fire by night from before the people. 
the Lord, Jehovah, was in the pillar of cloud and in the pillar of fire. It is a wonderful thing to know that men did see God. John isn't lying. He's talking about no, no man has seen the Father. We, we'll, we'll get to who it is in just a moment. It is a wonderful thing, though, to, to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not the first time he's redeemed people out of bondage. Exodus 23. Exodus 23 in verse 20. Behold, this is the Lord speaking, I send an angel before thee, a messenger. Angel, does, angel in every case does not mean the creature that, that goes and do, does the Lord's bidding. Angel itself, angelos in, in the Greek, and I'm drawing a blank on the Hebrew term, but it means messenger. That's all that it, that is the definition. Here we have a transliteration from Greek. Angel is a, is a, uh, uh, a Greek term spelled in English letters. It means messenger. I will send a messenger before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. I, he, the Lord can't say that of a mere angel, of a mere creature. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. What creature has the ability to pardon transgressions? The Lord Jesus said, which is harder to say, son, rise up, or son, your sins are forgiven. So, but just to show you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin, son, pick up your mat. And go home. Pick up your bed. Take your mat up and, go, and walk and go home. The Lord Jesus, he's the one who pardons transgressions. For my name is in him. Is not the Lord Jesus also the Lord God, Jehovah? Amen. Here, here, that angel, that messenger. We, we, we know who that is. It, is. it is none other than the messenger of the covenant. The Lord Christ. Psalm 68 makes it, makes it plain. Psalm 68. If you'll turn there with me. Sixty-eight and verse seven. O God, addressing the Lord God, when thou wentest before the forth before thy people, when thou didst march through the wilderness. It was the Lord God who marched in front of them in the pillar of cloud, just as he said it would be. It was, it was the Lord God who marched through the wilderness with them. The earth shook. The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. It is he who was there. It is he who walked with them 40 years. It was he who redeemed them out of bondage. And it was he who Moses and the elders of Israel ate with in Exodus 24.11. They ate with the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the disciples did after his ascension. When he came back down in John, in John the 21st chapter, and they ate, they ate fish with him. It is our Lord Jesus Christ who appeared unto these men and who walked with them. John 8, verse 8, I want, uh, I want us to get a, uh, the, this, this last passage here. These men should have known who they were talking to when the Lord Jesus did this very thing. You remember the woman caught in adultery? And the, the Lord Jesus ended up saying, you who's without sin cast the first stone? What is he doing in the meantime while, she's while they're all speaking? 
Verse 8, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. They're not outside in the, in the way. They're not on a road. They're in the temple. The temple didn't have a dirt floor. The temple had a rock floor. He wrote on the ground with his finger. You remember how Moses received the Ten Commandments in stone? God wrote it with his finger. They should have known who they were speaking with. They should have known who it was that Moses saw, and he was standing right in front of them. Jesus is the one who wrote those commandments and gave it to Moses. And just for, uh, I apologize, I must confess something. I just lied. I said that that would be the last passage, and it's not. <laughs> Jude. Jude, the, the, short, the short epistle of Jude. Here in verse 5, there's no chapters in Jude. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people or delivered the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. The Lord Jesus is the one who delivered them out of Egypt. And here, here you have, uh, in many of the manuscripts, the Lord here, kurios in the Greek, is not the only uh, appearance in, in the manuscript tradition. Now, it is the inspired reading, otherwise it wouldn't have been preserved here for us. But you get a, 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 an early commentary, if you will, on those who wrote in Jesus. They wrote Jesus here. Because they understood who the Lord was being, who, who that's, it's not his father. It is Jesus who saved them out of Egypt. They understood who it was. Jesus delivered them. Our Lord Jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin. And he has saved us from the power of sin. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us out from underneath its bondage. When we didn't want him, we didn't desire him, there was nothing in us that deserved anything that he did. But he did that very thing, for all for his own namesake. When, when God tells Israel in Ezekiel 36, why does he do that? He does it for his namesake, not because of anything that they have done giving them a new heart, a heart of flesh, taking away their heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. He does it not for them, not for their sakes, but for his name's sake, that his name might be glorified. He has also promised, promised to remove us from the presence of sin. His redeeming us from the bondage of sin is not a new feat for him. He has redeemed a, he has redeemed a people out of bondage before. He is, the, he is God's redeemer. He is the one who has redeemed his people throughout all ages. He is the one who has delivered them out from bondage. He is doing what he has always done. The Lord Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God for his consistency. Will you bow with me before him? Our Father and our God, we thank you tonight for our Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. The Redeemer of his people always the Redeemer of his people, bringing them out from bondage and